Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out the radio version of the show every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on WDJY 99.1 in Atlanta. We also air on a podcasting network in Los Angeles called the 405 Media. There's a TV version of the show that airs on KMVT 15 in Silicon Valley at 8 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday nights. Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Chris Denson. He's the director at Ignition Factory and the host of the Innovation Crush podcast. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what you've done and are currently doing is actually really innovative and cool, but maybe before we kind of get into all that fun stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Yeah. Um, I was born in a manger. No, I, uh, <laughs> I grew up in, <laughs> I awesome. was born in a manger. No, sure. I wasn't, I promise. Um, no, I grew up in Detroit. So, uh, it's kind of like my hometown was okay. growing up in the, you know, in the in the city, um, in the suburbs, and you know, eventually went to Michigan State uh, okay. and studied engineering. Okay, what made you want to take uh, engineering? Just out of curiosity. I, you know, I don't. I have no idea. Okay. I, I, I think a lot of times. I think a lot of times when you ask like a seventeen-year-old kid what they want to do for the rest of their lives, I get the sense that most of us don't really know. Right? Sure. Um, do, do we ever really know? <laughs> Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Even forty-year-olds don't know, know what I they know. want to do. So, um, so I think I I studied something that I felt like okay, I would have a job. It was job security. Okay. Uh, it was packaging engineering. There were only three schools in the country that offered the degree. You know, it didn't involve a lot of like it wasn't too sciencey okay. for me. Like I like physics, but I didn't want to like figure out like circuits and frequencies and you know all the stuff that you would have to do in other engineering fields. So. Um, I was like, all right, well, if there's only three schools in the country that offer the degree and every company that manufactures a product, they put it in some sort of package, right? <laughs> so sure, like, sure. All right, there's this, therein lies some, some job security. But at the same time, I think when I, you know, when I went to school, I started doing stand-up comedy. Okay. And so that really kind of became my, like my passion and my focus for a, a very long time. And, you know, there was an early part of my career for about you know, six or seven years where I was doing stand-up pretty consistently and was on television and, you know, won some competitions and so on and so forth. Um, and then slowly meandered into writing. Um, you know, it was just creating full-blown concepts for films and television and sketches. And, you know, and kind of today I just combine both of those worlds. You know, a, a lot of my ideas are rooted in puns. Okay. <laughs> um, or, or at the very least, it's instead of engineering, you know, transmissions and engines, I'm engineering ideas for brands and businesses. So, you know, and, and I try to have a, a, a good time while I do it. Sure. So walk me through a little bit of your career. You kind of quickly covered it, but like walk me through kind of some of the stuff that you did in your career, maybe some career highlights because you've done tons of stuff up until kind of what you're doing today. Well, uh, no, it's been a fun journey. You know, I, a lot of what I've been able to do um, 
have either been a part of a first or the job is creating a first. And I'll okay. give you a couple examples. Like my, my first writing job in Hollywood was on BET. And okay, it was cool. their first attempt. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but it was their first attempt at a late night talk show. So there was, it was literally a blank campus, right? There was no formula. We crashed the show from soup to nuts. Um, what segments were going to be interviews? What segments were going to be sketches? Are we writing jokes for monologues? Like it was just a blank slate that didn't go into an established environment like it was Jay Leno. And here's segment one through six on this show. It was sure. like, all right, let's make this up as we go. So not only was it, you know, able to exercise some humor, it was also just like creative development, right? Um, and then, you know, slowly kind of just still keeping a foot in the entertainment industry. Eventually, I took a job at the American Film Institute um, and helping run their digital content lab. You know, along the way, especially working as a freelancer in the entertainment business, you know, you sometimes get to wear a lot of different hats, right? You get sure. to make a project, now we have to figure out how to market it. Or you're talking to producers, or you're talking to the network people about just different ideas. And so I found that I was pretty decent at, you know, marketing and concepting around marketing. Um, but eventually, like I said, gravitated toward the American Film Institute. And the Digital Content Lab was a, like, a hugely sought-after think tank for marriages of technology and entertainment. And so, you know, we worked with everybody from the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation to building the first in-browser game on the PlayStation. Wow. Uh, to number just to, to like future forward prototyping. We would build out these things that were anywhere from 25 to 75% functional. Okay. Um, and, you know, and there were only four of us who ran the lab, but, you know, we would cycle through these projects with volunteer mentors from all over the world. So, you know, I met Nolan Bushnell there. I met Bill Duke. Like, I just met all these really amazing individuals. I'm like, wow, these people exist, and they do this kind of smart stuff. And, you know, suddenly it just kind of blew the lid off of, at least for me, what, you know, what possibility was when it came to sort of marrying these two worlds. And I think over time, it's just, you know, it starts to really, I mean, as a, when I'm doing stand-up comedy, my job is to, observe culture and translate it into some creative output for an audience. And I think it's the same thing that I do now, right? And it's like observing culture, what's happening in, you know, technology infrastructures or just social activism or, you know, anything. Parenting could be a, a good place to source, you know, inspiration and opportunity. No, I a hundred percent agree, man. That That's actually really cool. And you've sat on some, some kind of, pretty big kind of boards, right? Like you've, you've done some stuff with kind of the White House, South by Southwest, you know, and some other kind of TV networks. Like how did you kind of get involved in some of that stuff? I'm, uh, I guess I'm just a nosy guy. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd like to think that I'm good at what I do, but a lot of it also is just like knocking on doors. You know, you, you'd be okay. surprised. At least if you have at least somewhat of a decent resume, you know, when you tell somebody you want to, do X, Y, and Z, or you, you know, we've heard it all in like Tim Ferriss books, like go to the top as the CEO. Um, you know, you, you kind of do your job of networking, right? Like, you know, I think most of us think of our job as a thing that we do on a daily basis, you know, when you sit behind your computer, but you know, from a personal brand or just a the personal desire to expand standpoint, it's really like a, an ability to connect dots. You know, I don't have a lot of socio-political personal experience, but, you know, when the opportunity came up with the White House, it was a guy I met at an event, and we, like, just really hit it off. And, then, you know, we got to the what do you do part of the conversation. 
And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And he's like, well, the Global Entrepreneurship Summit is coming up. Um, and he happened to be one of the people that put it together, a young guy. So it wasn't like it was some, you know, stodgy man in the suit. <laughs> it was just like somebody has to, I, really, I really vibe with. Sure. And, um, and we saw the world the same way. And, you know, in the Global Entrepreneurship Summit, and that was two years ago. I mean, they do it every year, but, uh, you know, I, I did it under the Obama administration. Sure. Um, and uh, it was it was amazing, right, to just go there and sort of, A, just be a, a listening ear for a lot of these entrepreneurs from all over the world and, you know, really get involved with the civic infrastructure for building companies and ideas and got brands in the, in the room and it's just a... A, a really interesting environment. And I think you, you do one of those, right? Uh, you do something like that and you just kind of like snowballs a bit. Keep riding. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep riding the wave a little bit. So South by Southwest Accelerator is another one for the last three years of just kind of, you know, help steer that effort and pick startups and judges and all sorts of stuff. Um, similarly with the Google Launchpad, which is their international accelerator. Sure. Um, you know, I'll go up to San Francisco a couple of times a year and, you know, sit with 40 startups from 30 different countries over the course of four days and, and the, the executives from Google who are leading this thing and kind of just help steer the direction of it. Um, there's a few more, but, you know, I think it's sort of, it's kind of rinse and repeat after that, uh, especially depending on how much time is available in a day. <laughs> so, sure. That's no, but, always the, the other fun part. But but I think that's really good advice in itself, right? Like, you never know who you're going to meet at these events, right? And and I kind of, I'm a big believer, like, I live up in Canada, right? So obviously, I'm not in necessarily a big kind of known tech hotbed of whatever. But the the thing that's really, I think, interesting about what kind of we get to do now is kind of the internet kind of generation is there's not really any borders and you have the ability to go to maybe one or two events a year in a big city that you could fly to, you know, that's maybe two, three hour flight where you, you never know who you're going to meet at these things. And not saying you shouldn't be involved in your kind of your local community, but if you really wanted to break into some of these bigger markets, you don't necessarily need to always live in these kind of big cities. Like obviously you're, you're in LA, correct? That's where you live. Yep. Obviously, yep, the White House isn't in kind of Los Angeles, but you, you got to kind of be involved in that. And South by Southwest is in Austin and, you know, you don't live in San Francisco. So you met somebody somewhere and you kind of been traveling throughout North America to be a part of different events, which I think is kind of inspiring and, and can just get people maybe thinking that are listening to the show. It's like you don't necessarily need to live in these like big hubs to be involved in some really cool stuff happening in a lot of cities across North America or the world. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, I, I'm a big fan of putting yourself in different um, vocational environments as well as geographic environments. So, sure. you know, one example is like I worked in at, at Machinima for a number of years. It was a, a giant, sure. you know, YouTube network for fanboys and gamers and so on and so forth. And I, I, I barely knew a game title, let alone really? you know what the culture was like. But it was definitely like a deep dive, right? You jump, you jump into this culture, and suddenly you're exposed to different, you know, points of view, different experiences, and then you, you, your, your uh, ignorance. I'll call it that. Like if you're no, I think that's good that. though. 
Yeah, it is true. I, I, but it's also like you, you walk in and you're also bringing value. Sure. Because right? you're also bringing a different perspective. So I think that's where I enjoy the, like, the most collisions is where I'm in a space where I was like, oh, what, what you guys do that here? Like, you know, I can go to a marketing <laughs> conference all day and or a digital marketing conference or whatever it is. And like, all right, same people I see all the time. Like, yeah, and yeah, yeah. There's value in reconnecting with those individuals, but there's also like value in – Oh, I'm, you know, I don't even remember what, I'm trying to remember where I meant Bert from the, from the White House, but, um, but it, it definitely wasn't at my normal, you know, circle of influence. Sure. Right? Um, I was trying to just get outside myself and it doesn't always have, and not everybody can afford to travel, you know, multiple times a year, but I think it's, you know, meetup.com, Eventbrite as a website is great for just sourcing weird stuff. Go to the medical conference, go sure. to the, you know, the, the, uh, pet adoption conference or the meetup or whatever and you'll find that like your skills become a value in an environment where everybody else kind of it's a homogenous group of individuals talking to themselves you become the unique thing that's standing out sure yeah you're you're right like not everybody can afford to travel that's fair but and i think there's a lot of cool events potentially happening in a lot of cities you know across wherever right like anywhere on the globe that you could be you never know who you're going to meet but how did you kind of get your job at machina um that was how did i get that job i think you know i was uh, um i don't know like i'm a, i'm really one of those guys where it's like if something just sounds kind of interesting if it sounds at the core like something that I'm good at. So they had just launched a new department or wanted to called creative solutions, mm-hmm. um, which is basically like an agency within the company. Okay. So if Pepsi came to the table or whatever brand wanted to do something on the network, we would be the go-to group to figure out what that is, whether okay. it's online, offline, you know, whatever. So I'm just bringing sort of my transferable skill, which is, ooh, creative idea development to uh, a new space. Um, and so went in for meeting number one, which turned into meeting numbers three through eight or whatever, you know, meeting everybody up to the CEO. Sure. And just really, you know, A, um, just being confident, but, you know, asking the right questions. You know, I saved a lot of the dumb questions for after I got the job. Nice. But, um, but, but, <laughs> but I wasn't, but, you know, I, I think they knew that was coming. They knew there was going to be a slew of, of dumb questions. They were like, look, I don't, I don't know everything about the, but here's what I'm good at. You know, here's what I do understand about this culture. Here's whatever research, you know, up until now. Um, here's an individual or a person or thing that I've done that's kind of tangential to that. Uh, and that was, that was kind of it, you know, uh, I got to go in there and like assemble a team. Uh, that was kind of one of my first times assembling what I refer to as like the A team model, right? So you got mm-hmm. Hannibal, B.A. Baracus, Face, you've got all these different individuals who, you know, have different sorts of skills and we've worked on everything from product development and like, what does Machinima look like on Roku, you sure. know, uh, or how do we better manage content flow internally? Um, or better manage our relationships with influencers, as well as, hey, here's how you know Pepsi can impact Latin America through the Machinima ecosystem. Um, so there's a lot of different uh, angles, and I think that ability to to sort of deliberately think outside the box or just not even be inside the box <laughs> um, sure. kind of comes in handy. No, that's that's great, man. That's that's really cool. So. You started kind of um, Innovation Crush, it, you know, it's the podcast that does kind of 
what, three quarters of a million plus a month kind of listeners? Like, how did you kind of decide to, to start that up and, and what do you guys kind of talk about? Um, you know, like I mentioned, I have this, this background in stand-up comedy. And actually, funny enough, I was at, when I was at Machinima, there was somebody used to just have ridiculous hallway banter with. We would okay. just like kind of crack each other up, but, you know, neither one of us would break. So it would just sound like a ridiculous conversation. <laughs> and then um, she goes, we should do a podcast. And this is kind of like before podcasting was like it is. Back. Sure. Uh, like, yeah, whatever. And by the fourth time she asked me, she goes, I can get a set up in the studio to do it. And, um, and so I ended up going like that Friday and we recorded this basically like a morning radio kind of banter. We actually called the show Reckless Breakfast. Okay, and, nice. Um, which is still available. It's still online if you guys want to look it up. Um, <laughs> awesome. And it was it was definitely not you know informative and insightful like an innovation crush is. If I, you know if I can save myself. Sure. Um, but it was a good practice and like oh cool. And there was a guy I used to be director of innovation at a small agency called the Regan Group, and okay. there was a guy who worked with me there who had left and started working for a podcast network. Okay. Um, and so we were just catching up and he was like, Oh, I'm working at this podcast network. And, you know, I told him about that show and he was like, we do a whole bunch of stuff for comedic talent. Um, we're kind of beefed up in that arena, but we've been looking to test other formats. Okay. And, you know, as we started thinking about like what that would be, we wanted to do a show about marketing. And I was like, well, once you do two episodes about how to market stuff is you kind of get it. But for me, it was like, where do smart marketers go for really good creative inspiration and insight? You know, for, for me, that's always been Fast Company is one of my, you know, top choices sure. when it comes to that. So, you know, to this day, I say the show is a cross between Fast Company and The Daily Show. Okay. And, you know, we just like to have fun, but also extract really good left field creative from people you wouldn't expect to hear from. And even if it is somebody you've heard from a thousand times, hopefully it's a different, you know, perspective from that person. Um, and, you know, part of it was also out of frustration. You know, I was, as a, you know, as an innovator, if, if I can call it that, because it's still not a role per se, um, you know, my lens was always marketing, but I, I knew there was a bigger conversation to be had about what innovation really means. And sure. as I was going to different companies after I left Machinima to, you know, to talk to them about innovation agendas, they were like, oh, so you're a creative director. And you're like, uh, yeah, but, but not really. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> sure. so you're the technology guy. And you're like, ah, sure. Um, but eventually, you know, I was like, oh, look, I know dozens, if not hundreds of people who are doing what I'm talking about. It's just not sort of mainstay practice in business right now. Interesting. So um, I decided to surround myself with those conversations, you know, and, and you know, pull in uh, everybody from a Sugar Ray Leonard to Damien Kulash from OK Go to Cindy Gallup to, you know, a nine-year-old kid who raised $1.2 million for his French charity. All these people who are just like, you know, habitual rule breakers of, of some of some, you know, way, shape or form. No, I, I think that's really cool, man. Like, and I, I checked out obviously the podcast kind of before. I, yeah. Like I, I think that you've, you've got like quite a wide gamut of guests that are all kind of in that, kind of space and and the, that's actually quite fascinating to me right like and you you've been doing it for what four and a half years now is that is that correct yeah it's about four uh yeah i think just oh. over four yep. yeah no that's that's cool man so I, i'm curious though how do you kind of inspire kind of others to kind of do this stuff because i think 
like this show even that we're talking about right now, like Arizona some podcasting networks, and I, I I'm sure you get asked all the time too, like should they start a podcast or or do that and or or whatnot, and like I would say like go for it, and I kind of have this like templated email that I send like here's all the kind of gear I use and blah blah blah, and it's, it's nothing crazy, like I I think the mic I use is about a hundred dollars and software I use to record is like thirty, so you know, and then it goes from there if I'm recording live or or whatnot, but. You know, it, it doesn't really necessarily need to cost a ton of money to like start up a podcast and have pretty good conversations with a lot of people, some that have done a lot of really cool things, or maybe some people that are starting out. So do you kind of think that it's a good idea for people to kind of get into the podcasting space or, or what do you kind of think of the, the podcasting space in the industry right now? I, th- I mean, I think it's up to the individual. You know, I think it's, you know, I, I mean, nobody knows your personality better than you do. Sure. Right? And, you know, it's a lot of it. And I've had very similar conversations and I've sat with people for hours at a time and like giving them all the gospel, and you know, that I could. Sure. And, you know, six, eight months later, they haven't done anything with it. Sure. And there's other people who I talked to for like 10 minutes and, you know, three weeks later, they're up and running. Yeah. Um, and it just depends on that individual. And if they, I think the, they actually did a podcast about podcasting Okay. Um, with the guy who started the LA podcast festival. He did a documentary on podcasting. He's a comedian. Um, uh, Graham Elwood, a great guy. Sure. No, uh, but we were talking about, it's one of those things that's either grossly oversimplified or grossly overcomplicated. Yeah. Like, that's oh, I got to book guests every week and I got to do it. And it's like, it becomes overwhelming to that person. And the other person goes like, all you need is a mic and a computer. And yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. well, it's not that easy either, right? It's somewhere, sure. it's somewhere in the middle. And just to like, to be a good host, you know, I, for starters, when I started Innovation Crush, I never called it a podcast, right? I just kept okay. saying I had an interview series. It's an interview series. I didn't want people to put it in a bucket in their minds, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, whether it was conversational or not, uh, you know, it's like kind of like saying you have a YouTube channel. You could be Logan Paul and be making millions of dollars a year. Yeah, <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh, that guy's a YouTuber, right? Like there's there's a perception issue that happens. But as a host, it's like finding your voice, finding your cadence, finding those things that you're genuinely curious about, especially if you're going to be asking questions to people. Um, you know, it helps to not just do like, oh, I'm going to do that. There's nobody done one in the fish tank market. I'm going to start the fish tank podcast. You're like, sure, if you don't care sure. about fish or fish tanks or all that stuff, but you know, you, it's more of a business opportunity. You're not going to have the passion, and it'll show in the conversations you have. Yeah, that's um, fair. You know, so it's uh, it's it's again just kind of like either oversimplified or overcomplicated, depending on who's who's trying to do it. So I'm curious then, because you you you've obviously done stand up comedy in the past. Like, is it similar or totally different kind of actually being kind of interviewing like i get when you're up on stage you're kind of telling jokes but you're interacting with the audience quite a bit or potentially quite a bit is is it pretty similar or is it totally kind of different both <laughs> it's, it's sure. both very similar both very different i mean the, the for me it's the spontaneity of the moment right okay, you know sure. kind of like like any other conversation, you never know where it's going to go. People will tell you a surprise thing or you'll spot an opportunity to make a joke or you might say something that's like insensitive or considered insensitive or what. Like there's a number of things that can go right or wrong in this spontaneous live environment. 
And, you know, to like most stand-up routines, you're prepared to an extent, right? Like you have a list of questions and talking points you want to go through with the guest. Um, And you also have your standard questions that you probably ask everybody in a similar on a stage. You have like a, you know, a library of jokes to pull from and they're probably pretty scripted. But if Joe from Indiana decides to raise his hand and say something weird in the middle of your set, like you can go there too. It's Mm -hmm. the ability to be both nimble and rigid in a moment um and know where you want to get back to and and um and just like even if i feel like i try to do all my interviews live like in person okay um and i feel like that ability to read someone and you know i don't remember like there was a i interviewed one woman i won't tell you who it is yeah but um she was very british okay (laughs) and it, it, we did it over Skype, and it was probably to the day one of like I felt like one of my most difficult interviews. Okay. Because I don't think my humor was translating over the technology, and I, but she was also very smart, and she was talking about something relatively serious, and so like my like just the rhythm was off a little bit, um, but still you know that. Even when I go back and listen to it, like I, you know, I get compliments on an interview, and I'm sure you probably go through this. You're like, sure. ah, I, I really messed that one up. But, you know, if, you know, to the audience, they don't really know the difference, right? Um, yeah, it's it, interesting. Uh, That's actually a really interesting point because, like, sometimes you're like, man, that was a terrible interview. And then somebody messaged you like, that was awesome. And you're like, oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> right? You're like, okay, sure. Like, yeah, you're right. That's interesting. I mean, look, you gotta, I, I look at it almost like you do the music industry. Sometimes you like to hear that song on the radio and you're like, how is this song even popular? Like yeah. it's horrible, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But something about it, something about it resonates with, you know, audiences. But like if I hear Despacito, I didn't like that song when it first came out, let alone, sure. you know, 43 million plays later. Um, but I'm like, okay, I'll, if you guys like it, uh, that's, you know, that's fine. And I think that even happens in, you know, in creative crafts, right? Sure. Or in business, you, you know, when startups pivot or companies pivot and you're like, oh, we didn't know that was going to catch on. I guess we'll do more of that, right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> um, it's that unexpected surprise that you're like, okay, now I see what, I, like when I get, you know, I've interviewed Chameleonaire, the rapper who did Ride Dirty, who right, right, right. happened to invest in Maker Studios and made a crap load of money and invested his money several times over, became entrepreneur in residence at the largest venture fund in Southern California and just like an amazing career. Sure. Um, and one of the first, you know, emails or messages I got about that interview was, hey, a friend of mine listened to this episode and quit smoking. I was like, okay. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> was totally <laughs> Right. And, you know, and, which was probably like we talked about, he mentioned that he doesn't smoke or doesn't drink because he wants to stay clear. And he like, even when he was heavily in the rap game, he didn't do it. And that was what that person resonated with and so you find like these surprising moments of of anything you create and then they're like you got to be open to the surprise and really listen to what the market or the audience is, is telling you versus what you may innately want to do yeah no i i think that's really good advice and it is kind of it's also rewarding though like when you probably got that email you're like I, you might not understand why, but you're like, hey, if it inspired you to do something, that's great, right? Yeah. So. I, you look, I believe I believe that every, at least when it comes to my interviews, or just even like in projects we're doing for brands and, and clients, is like every story is a, 
a human story. Sure. You know, no matter if you, I can tell you about the best activations at South by Southwest, but at the end of the day, that was designed for human beings to experience. And we were all like emotional beings. We all want to be wild. We all have like emotional ups and downs and all that stuff. And I think, you know, really smart brands and smart experiences or smart content like resonates with you in some way, whether it makes you laugh because it's funny because it's true, right? You can yeah. laugh about a divorce because it's hilarious, right? Uh, you know, sure. both because that person, you know, resonated with something that was true in your own experience. Um, and I think that's what, that's what happens. You know, you look at the awards categories and, and can, and look at the winners, you know, it's like, Oh, these are like really touching and heartwarming or just really smart. But at the same time, it's all still under the guise of storytelling. They're all human interest stories. So I, I find that a lot with my guests where it's, you know, even the stuff that they create comes from a place that's very personal from them. Sure. I interviewed uh, Miguel McKelvey, right. the founder of WeWork. Sure. And, um, you know, come to find out, he grew up in community living. Interesting. You know, who, who would have thunk? Totally. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. His mom and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's like, no wonder WeWork is amazing because it, it comes from who he is, not necessarily like a smart business idea, which those are valid too. Yeah, no, that's cool. So, you're, you're the director at Ignition Factory. What exactly is that, and kind of how did you get involved with that originally? Uh, Ignition Factory is a, is a group within Omnicom Media. So Omnicom Media Group is the largest media agency in the world. Yeah, they're huge. You know, we have about 10,000 employees around the world, wow. and there's probably 20 of us kind of focused on innovation. And for the agency, that's kind of like translates into emerging platforms and emerging culture. Okay. Right? Like it's not all, I never say that innovation is synonymous with technology, you know, okay, yes, sure. there's a ton of that happening as well, but it's also just like, Oh, people are doing this now. That's weird. Why is that happening? <laughs> right. And, sure, sure. and translating that into something that's useful for a number of different brands. We work with everybody from Warner brothers to Pepsi to state farm to, you know, Wells Fargo, right. It's sure. all sort of all over the place. And the fun thing is you kind of get to, plug and play different principles or you can borrow something from the financial industry that works in the hospitality industry or borrow a, a theory from education that works in sports. Like it's, you know, sort of like this keeping your mind open and this ability to connect dots where they don't normally connect. Um, and so, yeah, we do a number of different initiatives to kind of, you know, I like to say our job is 50% education and I'm like, Hey, here's what's out here. Here's what's happening. And the other 50% is activation, like actually turning what we see, and what we educate our clients on any agency as well into real life opportunities, you know, um, you know, I guess one example is the South by Southwest, uh, the year before last when yeah. Suicide Squad came out, we actually did, uh, ad week wrote this up as one of the top five, um, uh, experiences at South by that year, which was a real life tattoo parlor. We actually took over the most popular tattoo parlor in Austin and gutted it out and made it look like Bell Rev from the, you know, where the, the insane asylum where all the, all the suicide squad is kept. Sure, um, sure. And cool. we were giving away real and temporary tattoos. So um, it was, you know, we had a line around the block every day. It was pretty, pretty, pretty fun. And, and to actually take the risk and see if people would get real characters <laughs> tattooed on their bodies. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and they did do it. That's um, like free advertising for life for, you know, for that franchise. Sure. No, that's, that's really cool. So for people that kind of haven't necessarily 
heard heard of you guys like let's dive a little bit deeper into kind of some of the stuff you do on more of kind of a daily basis with ignition factory um <laughs> no day is the same sure um, i can imagine so <laughs> So I was honestly, I say we spend uh, you know a good sixty to seventy percent of our time in brainstorms. Like I literally just got out of a brainstorm to do this call. Okay. Um, for you know a Warner Brothers movie, sure. um, and a lot of it is like, hey, we have this thing. Everybody, everybody wants to touch this button, right? The, you as an individual, you as a podcast host, you're like, how can I make my show stand out more than everybody else? Sure. Whether that's through my guests or through things that we do in the marketplace. And so that's, you know, as a media agency, it's all about reach and frequency and transaction at the end of that reach and frequency. And so what are some, you know, for every Pepsi, there's 10 other beverages I might choose from when I walk into the store. So how do I stay top of mind and do things that are impactful? So, you know, it's a lot of sharing links and stuff back and forth, you know, and granted, this is stuff that everybody in the agency can do. It's just that our group is specifically designed for it, and we are given the freedom and the bandwidth to investigate right, and awesome. to dive deeper. Um, and I think also, you know, it's very specific types of personalities we try to bring on board and types of skill sets, just having this, like, innate cultural curiosity about how things work or how to change them, you know, um, and, you know, not necessarily, like, I'll put this lightly, not necessarily like client service okay. per se, and that definitely has its place where you're like, hey, client, what do you need? All right, we're going to dinner. Or, okay, you want to go to like, there's definitely the customer service part of it. You know, our job is to really like push people a little bit outside of their comfort zones, you know, and do things that are sort of unprecedented. So um, I would say that, yeah, brainstorming, digging around, uh, going to meetings, uh, you know, Einstein, like, apparently, I don't know if this is true, because uh, there, there's a lot of Einstein quotes online. Sure. Like, he sure did speak a lot. But, um, he wrote a lot he of said, quotes. You give me 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> did you ever actually do any work? <laughs> um, no, he, he, said, as he allegedly said, um, if you give me 24 hours to save the world, I'll spend 23 of them asking questions. Right. So it's like anytime a request comes in the door, you know, I'm the annoying guy who's like, well, whatever. Have you thought about this? What is this? Why do you want to do that? What was that thing? What what have you tried? What didn't work? Like, uh, you know, it's 20 questions. You know, so it's it's a little bit of investigation meets uh, exploration. That's great, man. So you're working on a book. What kind of what is the book about and why did you decide to kind of write about it? Well, the second question, I ask myself that every day. I, uh, mm-hmm. I was actually up at four this morning to turn in uh, my last set of edits okay. to the publisher. Sure. Um, so I don't know why I wrote a book, but uh, no, it, <laughs> I, you know, I kind of. I can did you get asked or did no. you pitch it? Um, it was it was both. I mean, so I okay. get asked a lot, like, what you know, what where does innovation come from? What are some of the commonalities you see among your guests? You know, how do you do it, et cetera, et cetera. And like you alluded to earlier, like there's a vast number of types and profiles of individuals that have appeared on my show, from adult stars to kids to you know astronauts, sure. and they all. But my lens is always. How do you reimagine or reinvent in your domain, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you know, I think that's what we're all striving for. Whether you're a, a parent 
and you just you just want to figure out a better way to communicate to your kids. I, can't, I mean, I have a 12-year-old and a 5-year-old, and I'm always like, how can I do this differently so that it sticks? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, what do I, I need to do? And so I'm always like, it's just exploring what's the new creative way for me to, to find a way to, to resonate um, with them. But it's the same thing in business. And so, you know, and also that felt like I have a decent point of view and a, and a voice, if you will, sure. which I think is, goes back to like your podcasting question. It's like, what's, what is your unique position? If you're talking about, horse training like sure you know what's what's unique about how you do it right and i think for me humor is a big part of you know what i do it's a, it's a disarming you know trait so to have somebody in a room who's comfortable because we're having a good time and then you know turn around and they tell me about being molested as a teenager or battling depression sure. or you know a number of different like heart-wrenching things I've, I've heard on my show is equally as good as you know, um, the the keynote-like information that comes out of it. So I wanted to combine those two things. And like, A, you know, innovation is not just a business tactic. It's kind of a, an expression, sure. right? It's a personal expression. And, you know, and if there's 10 people working on a project, they're, they're all putting a little bit of their personality and their perspective into that thing. And we have to understand, like, how we operate as human beings in order to also understand how we operate as, as businesses and idea makers. So... Um, and so hopefully the book, which is called, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, shameless plug. <laughs> Cracking <laughs> the box. 10 essential rules for breaking essential rules. Okay. You know, and these Very are cool. all sort of comps. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, these are all just sort of constructs around, you know, um, what does it take to sort of reimagine successful? And when, when can people kind of expect it and actually pick up a copy? Uh, we are doing our debut event on March 11th at South by Southwest. Very cool. Uh, I grew up in Detroit, as we mentioned earlier, so yeah. we're partnered with the Michigan House on this launch. And okay. uh, so come early March, the book will be available on Amazon and on my website at www.thecrush.co. So, Perfect, man. No, that's that's really cool. I, I, I love that. Like, I, I think the, the thing that I love, and, and you probably, it, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, while you love doing your show is like you get to talk to people that, you know, either had a really good childhood, kind of had a really bad childhood or everywhere in between and how they've kind of turned that into kind of a positive thing. Right. Like and, and I think in some cases, the best stories are the ones that maybe had kind of a, a, a worse childhood and, and they've kind of made something positive out of it. And I think that's kind of really inspiring and, and having people be able to tell those stories and kind of just let people feel like they're kind of not alone, right, in, in some of the good and bad struggles that kind of life has to offer is is kind of some of the most rewarding people I've had on the show. And it sounds like you're kind of in a similar boat. Is that fair to say? Oh, that's, I, I, that, uh, yes. I mean, 100%. But like... I, that was again. That was one of the pleasant surprises of doing the show. Sure, was that suddenly I was like, "Oh, what? What happened?" <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Um, good, good or bad, or a combination of both. Sure. You know, there was there was a girl Shira Lazar who uh, hosts What's Trending, and yeah. you know, she's CEO of that company. And you know, it's also a story in the book, but. She, you know, they had a huge television deal that they were, you know, going to launch and had like be on multiple networks and so on and so forth. And literally, like the eleventh hour is like the the company pulled out. 
And, you know, for her, it was just devastating. And she was like, I couldn't leave my bedroom for, you know, a couple of weeks. And, you know, she was, and then not only that, she's like, her logical self was like, it's not that bad. There are worse things happening in the world. And so then you get double angry at yourself because you're like, I know I don't need to be as upset about this thing as upset I am, you know, as I am, um, let alone, you know, just not having the fortitude or the strength to just snap out of it. Right. Um, and those are just like those real life moments that happen that you don't necessarily hear about when, you know, Mark Cuban gives a talk at XYZ event, right? Yeah, it's, totally. It's, most, most platforms are meant to show you the highlight reels. Of yeah. And then we created this thing, and then we created that, and then then when that didn't work, I told him to shut up, and then he did it anyway. <laughs> and like, oh, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. You try to, you're the audience taking notes, and you're like, uh, I guess I can tell them to shut up. But then when you hear that somebody's, well, I, I refer to them as B two moments, sure. where it's like, oh, I also struggle with that same thing, or imposter syndrome is huge, or yeah. how we talk about like the innovator's journey is a very lonely one because. If you're the only person who sees this opportunity or this business opportunity the way you see it, you know, it takes a lot of like pitching and reworking and like blood, sweat and tears that we don't necessarily talk about. No, that's interesting. So I'm curious, though, how did you kind of get involved with the Mobile Excellence Media Excellence Awards? Um, Because obviously, like Sarah put us in touch. But how did you kind of get involved with that? Um. Again, just being nosy. I'm, no, great, uh, I met Sarah. I met Sarah at an. Uh, I think I think we met at an event. We had like crossed paths a couple of times. So it was like one of those, like, "What's your name again?" Like oh, one okay. of those conversations. And then you know, a, a good month later or so, like we were really talking shop and like, "All right, here's what you believe. Here's what you created." Um, you know, at the time I was, I probably was still involved with Digital Content Lab at AFI. Okay. Um, and, you know, just looking at like how mobile is a platform and even looking at the MEA's evolution from the mobile excellence awards to the media excellence awards, right? Like mobile is such just a native, um, uh, part of how we experience the world for many of us, uh, sure. globally. So, um, just really like wanting to help students. I, I love, you know, I, I love when things are at a pivot point, right? I'm not sure. necessarily like, let, let's build an idea from scratch. But if you tell me a nugget of an idea, I can extrapolate the shit out of that thing. Interesting. Right? So, <laughs> no, it's it, good though. It, like, yeah, and that, that's what we did. It was just like, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried, oh, what about this resource? And just like, again, my 20 questions became, yeah. all right, well, here's some ways I can probably help. Um, and just really seeing like the community that she was already, she had already developed. Um, and it's just a, it was a good group, and you know, and everybody loves to be acknowledged, right? So I think you give the, you could launch your own award show based on your podcast, and people be like, "Wow, I wanted like I won an award," and not yeah, just yeah, diminish yeah. the value of of, it, of an MEA, but it's just like an industry being recognized for effort or project or anything is like super empowering. So you know, to give that to people in a realm that nobody else was, had been thinking about, you know, awarding and acknowledging individuals and companies is, was, was pretty smart. Yeah, no, I, I, that's interesting. I, I think the, the funny thing is, is like just how, like I've had a bunch of people that were kind of at um, the MEAs and, and, and I'm going to continue kind of interviewing people. And it's like, I love finding out kind of how they got involved with, you know, with the whole awards because 
everybody kind of has their own kind of unique story, but a lot of it just comes back to just kind of networking at the end of the day. Yeah, no, and there's no shortage. As a matter of fact, now, I, as we were talking, I remember where I met Sarah, and it was at the Streamy Awards. Okay. So the whole other, you know, award show, and like kind of based in the digital content space. Um, and it is that, you know, sort of that ability to, to meet people. And I think, you know, networking is hard, especially as well. I will say in L.A. it's hard. And um, as by comparison to, to some other parts of the world. Because well, why do you say that in L.A. is difficult? Well, I feel like L.A. is just by nature a, a hustle town, right? Okay. Like it's it's Hollywood. Everybody's got a script or they're you know, trying to angle into uh, another category of business in some way, shape or form. Or if you are a celebrity and you made this your home and you've turned your celebrity into serial entrepreneurship and you have a ton of businesses or ideas or you're exploring technology or you own a bakery, like everybody's sort of a multi-hyphenate. Yeah. So it's always like, uh, you know, you're always angling to some degree. And I think okay. once you, you know, and that's not always a bad thing. I don't mean to say that it's a bad thing, sure. but it is, it's different than having an open conversation and not having an agenda. Yeah. Right? It's kind I of just see where it goes, right? Right. And I, look, I grew up in, I grew up in Michigan. Like sure. I could go into a bar and then not worry about business whatsoever. Because I'm just like they're throwing darts around or dancing or like I'm just having a good time, and <laughs> those conversations become just very organic. Yeah, you know, yeah. How are you doing? Conversations versus like what do you do? Sure. Um, or what can the, you do for me? I, kind of conversations, right? Right. And I, yeah. think, I think most like most people, uh, you know, I've, 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 I would say, and there's a couple of like little social nuances I, I noticed. One is. You know, if in the first two or three sentences of encountering somebody in an event, it's like, what do you do? It's like, I, I don't know if I want to really, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a hard thing to want to share in that environment, right? Yeah, sure. Um, or, I'm, and I'm sure you've been at events where, you know, you're wearing your name tag and you're walking around. And if your name or your company isn't readily recognizable to somebody, they will move on. Yeah, right? sure, sure. <laughs> Um, it's like, I've seen this, like this, a scan someone up and down, like, Oh, Hey, yeah, no, I'm going to move over here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's obvious, and we all do it. It's like, I'm, I'm guilty of it as, as well, but sure. it's, it's kind of a shitty feeling either way, either side of this, that coin. You're, I'm sorry. I keep cussing on your show, but um, <laughs> it's all good. You, you have, you have a mute button. Yep. Um, but no, it's, it's like, so when anytime you can actually genuinely connect with somebody and, you know, as a matter of fact, one of my strategic business partners on uh, innovation crush, yeah. I knew this guy for two years. Like we would just talk. And every time we saw each other, it was just insults. He's Asian. I'm black. It was just racial humor, um, <laughs> okay. you know, making fun of each other. Maybe talk a little bit about what's at wherever we are. Um, and then finally we're like, I have no idea what you do. We should go and have lunch. Sure, <laughs> and sure. We actually did that, and, and magically, we're like, "Oh, we should a thousand percent be working together." Right? That's awesome. So, yeah. So it's um, it's a different, you know, just a different entry point. I think that's where networking with too much, you know, deliberate intention can actually backfire. I believe. No, I, I 100% agree. I, I think it's always kind of fascinating when you just like to have, just like meet new people. And, and sometimes like I find if you see somebody's name tag and they work at like a big brand, 
a lot of times they're just like a small cog into like a, a big kind of wheel, right? And you're just like, oh, wow, that person was not all the time. But sometimes you're like, wow, that was kind of boring what they do for a living. Like, I would never want to do that, right? But you're like, but they work at X company, right? But if you meet yeah. somebody that's like at a company you've never heard of and you're like, oh, wow, like you're doing some really cool stuff. Like, let's let's have a longer conversation about this, right? So, I don't know. I, I guess it can go both ways. But you bring up a really good point. But, but Chris, sadly, we're coming to the end of the show. So, let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself, the book, the podcast. Google. Okay. The end. No, just kidding. No. no. <laughs> it's, uh... So um, the website for all things, that would be, be rude if I just said like Google and Google, hung up. Google it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Google me, B word. Uh, <laughs> no, it's um, www.thecrush.co. Okay. Um, that's all the episodes. There's my weird bio. There's some projects and things we've done via the show. Um, pretty soon there will be some more solid information about the book. Um, there's actually some hidden Easter eggs on the website. Okay. Uh, we'll spare you the details on. Um, everything else is dense analogy, um, kind of like the study of oneself. Um, sure. And so that's Twitter, Instagram, dense and with ology on the end. Um, LinkedIn is a great place to find me. Uh, I think all jokes aside, Googling Ignition Factory will actually turn up with some really great examples of projects we've been able to accomplish. I mean, you know, I'm in LA, but I also manage our Midwest team. Okay. Um, there's a team in New York. There's a, you know, smaller team in Canada. So sure. the, the, all those teams are doing really amazing stuff and showing up in really interesting places and in interesting ways. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much the, the gist of, of where to get all the, all the goods. Perfect, Chris. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day. All right, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Yep. Okay, bye. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also, check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.